0: 2 Samuel 23, Um, all good things have to come to an end. That's what you hear at graduations, that's what you hear at retirement parties, and tonight we're going to recognize King David's last psalm, at least as it's said here. For the Beatles, it was, I be mine... Or, for some, they argue it's the end song off the Abbey Road album. Depending on who you listen to, whether they were all together or not. That was the Beatles' last one. For Elvis, it was way down. Never even heard that song before. That's his last one. And for George Jones, for those of you who are old country, some of you are like, George who? No, George Jones. For him, it was... I Always Get Lucky With You, right? That's his last song. Their final releases after these long, successful careers in music. And for King David, he's written psalm after psalm, some of them very celebrated that you know, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 73 at least that we know of that he wrote. And now this is his final song, his encore, if you want to call it. It's fitting, really, to end his career with this one in Psalm 23, verses 1 through 7, that was read very well a moment ago. And, uh, and ch- chapter 22 was uh, also known as Psalm 18. Uh, that appears twice in Scripture. It's like he's looking back at his life and talking about the lessons he learned, but this time, as he's about to lay down the pen for good, he looks not at the past, but it's almost like he's looking at the future. Yeah, he's. He's getting older, and he's shutting this thing down, but he's looking at his future. And that's a, that's a feature of this you need to really stress, because for so many people, they think that death is a time to look at the past and review all that, and it, and it can be. But for the believer, it's also a time to look forward, isn't it? We've got every reason to look at the next chapter and anticipate some great stuff, and David does that, a future that dominates our vision, even as we are closing down our earthly sojourn, is totally appropriate because of the same reason for David. The reason David could do that is because he had an everlasting promise from a covenant-keeping God, and so do you. You have an everlasting promise from a covenant-keeping God, and, uh, and he is not limited to this life and fulfilling them, is he? Not for us. David knows who he is and where he came from. He calls himself an oracle. He says, the oracle of David. An oracle is a word from God. And so it's it's a word from God of David. Now, how does that make sense? Well, David becomes the oracle. God uses him to communicate for us. But what's weird about these psalms is that they're, how is it that God inspires David to sing to him? It's kind of a weird thing. What is the kind of authority a psalm has when it's written from God, from man to God, but God inspired it? It's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon when you think about it. But David says, I'm an oracle. The oracle of David, son of Jesse, a very humble beginning. An oracle of the man who was raised on high. And I love this. He was raised. He, he didn't earn his stripes. He didn't uh, work his way to the top. He was raised on high passive. God did the exalting. Why? Because he was anointed of God, the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And even Jesus puts it this way. When David says, the Lord, Spirit of the Lord speaks by me, Jesus describes David that way in Matthew 22. The Lord spoke through David. He realizes his role. He's this instrument that God uses to convey his truth to the world in Psalms. Now notice something. He said to me, when one rules justly over men, when you, when you take that rule of authority, that you have this role of power over people, and you do it justly, ruling in the fear of God, this is what happens. When a person serves God, allowing God to use them, they are like the morning light of dawn. It's like when the darkness has permeated the world, it's utter pitch black, and here comes a person who, instead of living for themselves, lives to speak the oracles of God. It becomes like light of a new day, shining light into darkness. That's what people do when they serve God and speak His words to people. Sort of like he says in Lamentations, the mercies of God are new every morning, and they come through the people who carry them. When a person serves God, he says, the sun's shining forth on a cloudless morning. They're like the sun shining on a cloudless day. The reason why it's cloudless and the reason why it's a beautiful day is because the sun is shining, because somebody, somebody is reflecting the holiness of God here, and it brings beauty and order and structure to a chaotic world. That's what happens when a person serves God, like the morning light of the dawn, like the sun on a cloudless day. And then he adds one more metaphor. He says, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth, refreshes the ground, makes things grow and mature. Such people, as instead of ruling for my own power and my own self-interest, instead of living my life just for me and my... My desires, I live to serve a God and honor his request of me. David has seen this work this way in his life. This is, he says, the best way to live and to rule and to serve. This is the best way. The NIV does a better job of kind of interpreting or uh, translating the next three questions he wants. Because David is trying to convince his posterity to do the same thing. He wants his children after him to take up this same mantle and live in the same way. Because what he knows is every one of them, or at least one of each generation, is going to be asked to take the throne. It's a perpetual throne to be sat upon by an offspring of David. And he wants them to learn from him. And I want you to serve, but serve in the fear of the Lord and serve him and not the self-interest of humanity, which is so often what happens with world powers, right? And here are the three questions the NIV puts in here. Is not my house right with God? My house. God has blessed me. The proof is in what God has done in my house. Look at what He's done in me. Question number two. Has he not made me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secure in every part? God has made great promises, and he's kept every single one. And it's a promise that goes beyond my lifetime. He knows it, and God's going to keep it. God's going to honor it. Will he not bring to fruition my salvation? The the rest of the stuff that is yet to be realized, is he not going to bring it about? God's going to keep his absolute word. And so this king, this king who's followed God and served him, and God has blessed him richly, wants to sing a final song. It's a love song to the God who's blessed his life. And it's also a, it's also a way to convince the next generation, just trust me when I say you're better to serve God than to serve yourself. He then goes on to the contrast. I want you to notice verse number five. For does, uh, or sorry, verse six. But worthless men, people, people who don't serve God and others but serve themselves, worthless men are like the thorns that are thrown away. They cannot be taken with a hand. Two things about the thorns. But we've got to have a little bit of a theology of thorns. That's if you've ever been in a a briar patch, a bunch of thorns and stuff, you know you can't, you think you're gonna just waltz right through there? No, no, that stuff hurts. This stuff can do something to you. But do you know where thorns first appear? You should know this, those of you who know Genesis and the curses. Thorns first appear. God has this great creation and it's perfect. It's in harmony with man. Man loves creation, creation serves the, the needs of man, and there's a great harmony. But when the the, the sin of man comes, it taints everything. And it even taints the earth, doesn't it? Do you remember this? You're going to to work the ground, but it's going to be by your sweat because it's going to produce. You've listened to the voice of your wife. You've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. You should not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life. You're going to have to work like a dog to make the earth produce. Right? Thorns and thistles that will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants. Shall eat the plants of the field. You're you're going to be able to produce stuff, but it's going to be in opposition to you. Thorns are the things that represent the opposition to God, and they're set in motion by sin. That's a theology of thorns. And, of course, you know the most famous thorns in all of Scripture are the ones placed on the head of Jesus, representing opposition to him. But in this particular image, what he wants to convey is this. Thorns are worthless and useless. Everybody wants to clear the ground of them. What are they good for? Nothing Do you remember the parable of Jesus where he points out that that there's some seed that falls on the the thorny soil and it starts growing and it will choke the word right? that's been planted? These thorns, uh, they, they represent people opposed to the plan of God who would love to do nothing but to steal that word from being able to go out and have any kind of fruit whatsoever. Thorns are the things that stand in the way of a fruitful life serving God. Those people who choose to be thorns are people who don't want to do God's will and they'd love to be in the way of others who do. So people who serve their own interests get in the way of the plan of God. But they're not just worthless and useless that we'd like to clear the land of. They are also dangerous. When you reach out to take them out of the ground, Rip them out, they're going to start biting you, tearing your flesh. You've got to be properly equipped. They cannot be taken with the hand. You've got to do something to protect yourself from this. That reminds you probably, doesn't say the word thorns in this, but of the parable of the weeds. They just got to grow together until the end of time when God makes the discernment and he takes those weeds and he tosses them out. The fire and burns them up like chaff. That's what worthless people who stand in the way of the plan of God are like. David had one more song to write, one more song to contribute to the songbook of Israel. It's a reflection of his life experience. And unlike a lot of people who look back on their experience and sing a song of self-praise, let's think of one. I did it my way. You ever heard that song? I did it my way. This person stands up and says, "I did the way I wanted to." That's not what David sings. Or taking care of business. Or I want it all. I want right? none of that. None of that of the chorus he sings. He sings a song of trust me. You want to serve God and not work against Him. The best life you can live is one that serves him and honors his word in your life. And so here he was facing perhaps the end of his life. and certainly the productive parts of his life. And he was doing that with confidence and with peace, being able to anticipate a future that seemed ever so much shorter than it used to be. And God wants us to be able to do the same. He wants us to be able to face those last years of our lives reflecting not just on what God's done in your past but the future He still has in store for you that He promised you an everlasting promise made by a covenant-keeping God. And He wants this not only for you to be able to face your latter years with peace and joy but every day along the way. It's ours. That's the destiny that faces the person who has a posture of wanting to serve God and not themselves. And I hope that's your posture for life because it's the best way to live and it's the only way to die. And that's his final song. There's anyone who wants to respond to the invitation tonight, it's open. For you to be a person, I want to serve God with all my heart. And it starts with me confessing his name and being part of his body and serving him, being immersed in the waters of baptism and my sins washed away and living a life in service to him. That's where it starts. And that's the posture that continues until the day we die. And he continues to keep his promises even after that. If there's anyone who needs to respond, make it known as we stand.